welcome to season two of the podcast, Throwing Up Rainbows. Good girl, dirty, I invite you in to get lost in story. You are welcome here with my dirty little secrets. You're welcome here exactly as you are, and all your brilliant, beautiful, fucked upness. As you shine, and as you crawl towards the light. think I'm broken? said the girl in the mirror. No hesitation. Yes. Her eyes drift away from me. She wanders to the kitchen and finds a strange slew of foods to numb the pain because when she's chewing, when the food's in motion in her hands, fingers, mouth, throat, the voices stop. There is no space for anything else but the numbness of the food, the detachment from herself. And when she wanders back to the bathroom, she avoids the face in the mirror. The toilet flushes. But sometimes she holds the edges of the counter, her fingertips bracing as though she could fall through the earth. And she tortures herself, a little on purpose, by looking at the girl in the mirror, watching her mouth curl in disdain, watching her eyes glaze over like water behind glass windows. Sometimes she looks because she can't help it. It pulls her like a magic mirror on the wall, because deep down she hopes that one day, she'll see something other than the worthless failure staring back. For years, she thought that she was broken, that something in her was dark and horrible, tragically flawed, that if people really knew her, they'd run in the opposite direction, and she'd be alone. So it was easy to convince herself that it was safer to be alone, because then she could control it, and it would hurt less. But the truth is that lonely still feels like lonely, whether she chose it or not. The difference is that she was scared to let people in, even though she desperately wanted to be seen for all her light. It was the darkness in her that convinced her she would never be loved in her darkness. For years, she thought that she was broken, but she wasn't broken. She was, however, an addict. Her addiction was food and the control it brought, exercise and throwing up. All these ways to numb the pain of life, the exhaustion of everyday things, and the voice that told her she was nothing. She remembers being at the hospital and thinking that people were idiots. They kept asking her why she did this eating disorder, why she ate and threw up. She said, because I want to be skinny, because I don't want to be fat, duh, that's why all this is happening. They kept telling her to look deeper. At that point, she didn't even realize that there was a deeper, 
Addiction is addiction is addiction. There are different substances, but it's all the same. It all has the same effect on dopamine in the brain, the same compulsion to do the things she doesn't want to do anymore and then hate herself and feel guilt and shame and then do them again in another vicious cycle. If she understands addiction, and she understands addiction, the particulars are details. Every addiction pulls us from the present moment. Every addiction has an element of self-absorption. She may think that she's all alone in her suffering, that she's better left alone. She can't fathom that there's another side to it, a life in which she'll be free from the suffering. She may not want to give it up because there are parts of it that she loves. She remembers loving food, loving that she could throw up, loving that there was something always there for her, a world that she could go to whenever she wanted, even though the end result was always her feeling like a failure. Then, There were times when she said, screw it, and leaned into the food and the throwing up and going to clubs, drinking, being angry and feeling powerful because she didn't want to feel guilty anymore for something she felt she couldn't control. No matter how hard she tried, she failed. She remembers when she was separated from her husband and a roommate asked her, have you done everything that you could do? That sentence stuck with her like broomstick in her bike tire, and she realized that no, she hadn't. She remembers the same being true for her eating disorder. If other people had gotten better, if other people had recovered, then there had to be something she hadn't found yet, something she hadn't done or hadn't really given herself to. There had to be a better. She just had to find it. Recovery is a weird journey because sometimes she's motivated to get better and sometimes she just wants to accept that she's fucked up and not try. That's the truth. She thinks maybe recovery is living every day with a tortured mindset, but not getting to do her drug of choice. And yes, that sounds like hell. She remembers thinking to herself that if she was going to live like that, not doing the patterns, but having her mind be tortured all the time, then she was just going to throw up as much as she wanted and see how long she lived. Of course, that's when she was in her disorder. So she didn't yet believe that there was an alternate life for her. Remember, she started her eating disorder as a teen, so she'd lived with it for years and years and years. It felt like lopping off a body part, and then how would she live without it? But deep down, under all the shame and her screw-you-don't-tell-me-what-to-do attitude, she did want to be better, desperately. She wanted to be free and happy. She was so scared of wanting that, of telling anyone that she wanted to be recovered because what if she couldn't do it? What if people believed her and she let them down? What if she couldn't be the best version of herself and she let herself down too? Then it would be even worse than trying, she thought. What she finally came to was that anything was better than what she was doing to herself. Even if her life was a little better, it was going to be better than this constant torture and shame that she felt on a daily basis. She wanted a relationship in which her partner and her could be connected without this other entity between them, vying for her time and affection, her mental attention. And so she kept going. And it wasn't perfect. And she had a partner who showed up to love her imperfectly, even in all her crap. And her heart will forever feel deep gratitude. And then it got tougher. And she kept going. And she felt alone. And she kept going. And little by little, she began to change. And it felt as though her life were falling apart. But her mind began to change. And she kept going. And she did it imperfectly, and sometimes she didn't know what she was doing. She didn't know what she wanted. And she kept going. 
And one day, the scales tipped. Nothing is perfect, but she kept going. She was honest with herself. She leaned into the fear. And one day, she found herself on the other side. Do you think I'm broken? She asked me. No hesitation. No. The absolute truth, she said. Absolutely no. She told me, I see the wholeness you can't yet see. I see everything beautiful, she said. All the best parts of you. All the light, all the shadow. All the things you love, all the things you're working through. All the things you will become. All the parts that darkness shaped into magical treasures for you to carry from the caves. I see the wholeness you can't yet see, she said. All you have to do is keep going, imperfectly. There is the core of you that's never been and never will be broken. There is this core of you that's always completely whole. All you have to do is keep going. I'm Zizo Colante, and this is Throwing Up Rainbows. Stay tuned for the next episode, where we're going to talk about how addiction is addiction is addiction, and how they all affect the brain in a similar way. Till then. This episode was written and produced by me, Zizo Colante, with audio production by Colin Bonham. I'll end with a personal challenge from me to you. Tonight, when you look in the mirror, listen to the following song, Nectar, and remind yourself that you are whole. No matter what your past is, you can create a new future starting today. Find this song, Nectar, by my audio producer, Colin Bonham, on Spotify. That's N-E-K-T-A-R. not alone, no you're not alone.